Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. This week, I'm joined by Jay Edwards. Now, Jay is the founder of hair agency, Edwards & Co. I brought Jay in as one of the experts to help out another hair salon on The Mentor TV series. And he is a gun at social media. He is a gun at working with influencers. He's very good at recruitment and training and retention and a stack more. I want to find out what makes this guy tick. He's only a young guy. I want to know how he got started and I want to learn more about how he keeps pushing the boundaries in hairstyling. So, let's get into it. Jay Woods, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having me. Glad no, to be mate, back. Thanks for coming in, mate. It's, it's, and uh, I don't know, did you watch the episode? Did you get a chance to Oh, yeah, it? I watched it. Yeah, 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 I loved it. What, what do you think of, um, I mean, you're an experienced guy. By the way, how old are you? Just let's establish this. 28. Right? 28 years of age. Yeah. Uh, I just want everyone who's listening to understand, I'm sitting here opposite a guy who's 28 years of age, who has now six salons, just opened your six salon? Yeah, six, in last Queensland. week, yep. yep. Um, and how many hairdressers working? Um, right now, uh, 98. 98 hairdressers. Yeah. Right, okay. That's pretty cool. In <laughs> fact, it's uh, awesome for a 28-year-old. We're going to come back to that. So I'm going to tease out from Jay how he started all this, how he, why he decided to get into the hair industry, et cetera. But, uh, bef- but before I do that... Um, I want to ask Jay what he thinks of the episode and more importantly, what did he think of our two good friends in the episode? Were they, because it didn't really come across, it got edited out. Um, how difficult is it for the next generation beyond you, the older generation I'm talking about, to adopt the sort of things that are second nature to your generation, social media and yeah. all that stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I thought the episode was. I thought the episode was really good. I watched it. Um, I've been watching every episode. Um, I just find it interesting how they, um, I guess, don't take the information on board. I find that really interesting because when I'm given information or feedback or knowledge, I will implement it as quickly as I can to get results as quickly as I can. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I found that they were they would just haven't find an excuse to not. Take it on. But do you think that do you think that's endemic for that generation, uh, or do you think it's yeah, or more just a personality thing, a character thing? I personally, I think in my experience of that generation, I think it's a generational thing. Because you would have worked for hairdressers who are older. Did yeah. you do an apprenticeship? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you were done an apprenticeship, <laughs> and you went through a process, and you probably had your hairdressing person who taught you mm-hmm. everything you needed to know as a hairdresser, and that yeah. would have been someone of that generation. I it guess. was. Um, and you probably even know that individual, those individuals still, 
Um, and and I'm not bagging them. I'm not having a crack at them. But it seems to me to be endemic in those generations that they tend not to listen or l- try to learn. They just want to do everything the way they've always done it. Yeah, exactly. So I'll give you an example. The lady who I who I trained with, it got to my I think my third year being with her, and it, all of a sudden I was busier than her. And it was purely because I started implementing these new social media things, these new ways of colouring hair, and I was getting more clients like from all different like age brackets. And she, her clients, have started coming to me. And it was just because it was because she wasn't changing. Like even now, like I've got to change all the time, constantly. You know, there's always new stuff happening. And I feel like if you just keep doing the same thing that you've always done, you, and it, even these days with social media, you get left behind even quicker. Like well, so much quicker. Okay, so so this the concept for your generation. Um, well, one of the things your generation is really good at it's, is conforming with the process now, and that is continually changing. Yep. How do you find out how to change? But what is, what is it that tells you? Oh, I need to make a change here. How do you know when to change, and how do you know how to change? Yeah, that's a great question. How do I know when to change it? Okay, so I guess for me. When something stops working for one person, that's not so much of a problem. But when it stops working for two or three or four people, you should make customers, uh, customers and staff, right? right. Yep. Where, whoever it is, when it becomes two, three, four people, then it's like, okay, now we've got to change it. We've got to, we've got to change it right now. Um, I feel like as soon as the wheels stop turning a little, that's when it needs to change. Um, and for me, like I don't know, I've always been a fan of change. I like change. I like I like the way it works. I like adapting to things because adaptation just creates um, bigger projects. You know, it's a what am I trying to say? The so change. You're always not scared of change. No, I I encourage it yeah. in every all my staff. Like you know, I think it's important to change because without it, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get more out of so life. So do you have this mad thirst for uh, improvement? Oh yeah. I want to get better. Yes. I want to change, not necessarily change, because change is sort of the outcome or change is the way you execute, but um, you have this uh, mad sort of itch under your skin. I, I want to get better at something. I want to improve. I want to just sort of go to the next step. Yeah. Has that always been who you are? Yeah, for the last like 10 years, for sure. Um, I just think that if you sit with what you've always been doing, there's just that for me is pain, that's painful for me. I'd prefer to keep improving, but it's also important to know when something doesn't need to be improved. Yes, yeah, so keep doing. If it works, do I keep doing it? Exactly. Because I mean, that's the other saying. If it works, just keep doing it. Or the other one, the the, the opposite of that is or the corollary. That is, oh well, uh, if you keep doing the same thing, you you're never going to improve your business. Mm. It's going to stay the same. So, I because I, I, I what I because I I experience people like yourself, and I experience the other people who actually never want to change. You want to keep doing things the same. And we've had some unbelievably poor examples of that in the uh, TV series where, particularly in Cobram, for example, I mean, the guy there, Ron, never wanted to change the business the way he set up 40 years ago. And yeah. clearly that's that's the total opposite to what you're, you're suggesting. Mm-hmm. And he has been left behind. Fortunately, he has changed a bit, but he's still got left behind. Mm. And he regrets that. It, why do you want to keep improving your lot? I mean, because, you know, like, was it because you come from a, a shit upbringing and you mm. had nothing? Or, I mean, like, people say to me all the time, Mark, why are you trying to improve all your mm. time? Is it because you've got a chip on your shoulder the way you grew up, where you grew up in the west suburbs of Sydney? Um, the answer to that is definitely not. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I mean, I didn't grow up poor. I mean, I didn't have a lot of money or anything, but I mean, mm. I didn't grow up poor. I'm the same as every other kid in the street. So, for me, it's just a personality thing. I just like to, 
make it a bit more shiny. Yeah, all the time. I think like I, when I change things, especially in the business, it's not just to better it for me; it's to better it for the whole team, right? Um, even right now, I'm opening a new Sydney salon um, in two weeks' time, and we're changing a lot of processes over there to make things easier for my the administration side. So with my freelancers, I, there's so much administration that goes into getting their payment, sending out their invoice, making sure that they write down all the color they use and all that kind of stuff. So we figured out this system where our computer can do it automatically, and we don't need to do anything anymore. And like, there's a lot of people who's who's going to hate this change, but. If they submit to the change, it's going to be better for them. They'll know, like, the, the money they get is theirs. They won't need to pay an invoice for me. My administration will have less work to do. They won't need to send an invoice out. They won't need to type the invoice up. So the change is to make it easier for everyone involved. That's the thing. When Every time I make a change, I'm like, who's it easier for? Is it just for me or is it for everyone around me? So, I'm intrigued by that one. Um, so, so what happens... Before you make the change, what has been happening, for example, so I'm a freelancer. Mm-hmm. I'm working one of six salons. Yep. Um, I send you an invoice every week or monthly or how's so it work? So I send the invoice out. So you, you send them an invoice? Yes. And what are you charging them for the stuff they use? Is that how it works? Yep. yep. So how it works is when the client pays, all the money goes to them first. Yep. Um, and to then the hairdresser, to, to the stylist. hairstylist. Yep. And then I will send an invoice for a portion of that service. Plus any color. So you take your commission, exactly, so to speak, from yeah. whatever. So let's say they get a hundred bucks for argument's sake. Yeah, you invoice them. Say let's say ten percent for argument's yeah. sake. So you get ten bucks out of that. Yes. So you invoice them when? Every week I send an invoice. Okay. So but, you're, or you or you put you got a person sitting there in a room with a little uh, green uh, visor on and a exactly. pair of glasses and a little light shining on top of them. But and they send not, an invoice for ten bucks. Exactly. But that's not all it is though. So if they do a color as well, the hairstylist has to write down all the color they've used, then send an email to my bookkeeper. So add that into the invoice as well, right? Right. Right. That's sounds is a shit fight. Yeah. Totally. Like for everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, I would. I wouldn't want to write it down. That's a painful to me. Then you've got to remember everything, right? So you supply them all the products. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I supply everything and they just pay per gram. So this new system. How do you, how do you work? Is there an honest system? That, honesty system. Yeah, okay. You know, which yeah, yeah. at times isn't so honest, Sometimes right? Sometimes get a bit abusive, but <laughs> I guess it's the, the, the roundabouts, you know, you just got to take it as it goes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so with this new system, how, well, so we figured out that generally speaking, a color will cost between 12 and 17% in color, in color costs, right? So I've just averaged it out to 15%. So I'll take 15% of every color service. So what this new system does that we're building is it can actually, the payment system or payment gateway can split the payment into as many bank accounts as I like. Right. So rather than me sending an invoice and doing it this way and that way, the gateway will literally go, here's your amount, here's your amount, and then we're done. Right. That's it. And who, who wrote that up? I mean, who, um, who, who, who built the software? Or a guy that? called... Um, but someone internal in your business? No, externally. A company called Honey. Right. But ha- where did you get the idea from? Um, we were kind of just chatting about it. He came, he approached me. He's a salon booking software. Um, he's kind of new as well. And he wanted to work with me. And I was like, okay, well, if you can do these things, then I'll work with you. Right. Um, and one of them was you like- So you sent him a challenge? Oh, yeah. I gave him a challenge. <laughs> Improve what you got, mate, and you got, you're on. Yeah, but he, it didn't, wasn't a challenge for him at all. He was like, we, we can do that easily. Yeah, but, have- but you needed the question to be asked. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, so that's interesting because I just was doing a what are those things called? You where we talk about you ask me those, you ask me those questions and I got to you know streamlining processes. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just asked a question. I was just doing a I don't know whatever you call those things. It's some sort of ad or whatever it is that promotes the show, and it was about streamlining <laughs> systems. And I said use digital 
tools. So what you've done is someone's come and presented you a digital tool mm. for something else perhaps, mm -hmm. and you've said, yeah, I'm happy to adopt that digital tool if your digital tool can do the following things. Mm -hmm. And digital tools are so important. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously in marketing that's you know what we use Instagram and all those other things for, but you've used a digital tool here for administration. Mm -hmm. And what that ease of administration will do um, is actually attract more people to your business as freelancers. Yeah, well, that's the goal. Right now, I think from like the freelancer's perspective, it's is um, a little daunting with the change. Um, but I definitely think that in the future, it'll attract more people because it'll be a whole lot easier to be a freelancer. You don't have to worry about invoices and stuff. You just get your money, I get my money. But then also from my perspective, I'm not waiting for an invoice to be paid. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, automatic. Yeah, straight away. Because at times I'll be waiting three, four, five weeks for my portion. And it's like, well, okay, that's not cool. No, no. So no. this way, I get my money, they get their money, and that's it. Well, because it makes sense to me. <clears throat> we're, we're sort of getting into the minutiae, but I mean, I'm, I'm actually fascinated by it, so I hope the audience gets uh, equally <laughs> fascinated. But because it, it makes sense to me because you're paying the costs immediately. What I mean by yes. that is you're paying the rent every yeah. week. Um, you're paying um, the lights, electricity, the insurance. You're paying for the – you've already bought the, the stock of colour and all those other things that everybody's using, so mm -hmm. you've paid for that as well. Yep. Um, and then your freelancers are using it today but not paying you for four or five weeks, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a, a, a you have to match cash flow. And what this does, it allows you to match cash flow closer to yeah. the payment time that you make. Absolutely. Which that's a big deal for any small business owner. Yeah. But on the flip side of it too, for the freelancer, they're a small business person too, um, it cuts out all this – like must be brain damaging for them to have to go home at night and start or whenever whatever they're doing during the day start yeah. writing things up. Yeah, that would be or receiving your invoices. Yeah, and having to wade through that because I mean let's face it the the stylists probably aren't really good administrators. Totally, they're they're, they're creative. Which is why they're late with their invoices all the time, right? They're, they're, totally, <laughs> and also it's not in their interest to be on time. Yeah, that's because right. they you know they're, they're parting with dough and that's not the greatest thing. Yeah. So and they're creative people, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean that's their game. Yeah, they like to they like to do hairstyle. <laughs> that's what they're doing. They're styling hair, they're styling yeah. people, and they're coloring hair, and all that sort of stuff. So that, it to me makes perfect sense. I think it's again, it's another one. Is is there anyone else doing this? Um, not that I'm aware of. No. So do you own this uh, change to the software? Did you say to the guy who's selling, who's done this for you, listen, I, I want an exclusive <laughs> on that for the next six months. Don't um, sell it to anybody else. I didn't say that, but I definitely uh, we I got some equity. Right. So, oh, you got some equity in the business? Yeah. That's even better. All the information. So that's cool. <laughs> I love it. This guy, he's, this this doesn't cease to amaze me. Like he's, <laughs> This is bloody fantastic. Uh, seriously, I mean, like 28. So you, you got a little edge out of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. okay. So- I mean, what I would say to you sometimes in these situations is if if the competition is more heavy for you in terms of recruiting individuals to work for you, mm. which is that's your game. Yeah. You only make as much money as the number of people you have sitting in bits of real estate around the countryside. For sure. Um, otherwise, you don't make as much money. You need yeah. them to be happy mm -hmm. and you need to be the best in the business to work for yeah. or work with. Yeah. And the way you're doing is you're working out what are the, what are the friction points yeah. that I need to make less friction well, frictionless as possible. Yeah. Um, and one of the friction points is their administration and mm -hmm. your administration. Yeah. So th that's very clever. <clears throat> so the business you're really in is in the, is the business of recruiting hairstylists. Yeah. Not you're not a hairstylist. You're in not the business, so much anymore. You're in the business of uh, <laughs> recruiting hairstylists and keeping them and educating them and educating them. Mm. And we'll come to that because I know that you did ask me a question earlier, and I'm, we're going to yeah. talk about it a bit later because you know, that one fascinates me. And because that's 
Anyway, and you got guys. If you're listening, you better stay on because the, the last part of this is where Jay gets to ask me a question, and he's already sort of hinted to me what the question is about. And uh, I, what I'm fascinated by again is uh, his lateral thinking in terms of building a business around constraints in the marketplace, yeah. which is one of the ones he's addressing right now is the constraint of employing people and keeping people, which is fundamental to being in the business, the business he's in, the business of um, having hairstyles. So let's just un- unravel this, unpick this a little bit. Um, uh, I want to know a little bit more about Jay Edwards, okay? <laughs> okay, so uh, Jade's 28. Take me back to when Jay was 15. 15, oh. Where were you? <laughs> Um, I was in a small town called Young in yeah, near Canberra. Young. Yep. I grew up there. I was born there. It's a country um, town. A s- small town, yep. Um, and I think it was at, around that I was close to close to 16 and I'd moved to Gyra for a year with my dad, um, which is near Armadale. Yep. And I came back to Young and I was like, you know, I was speaking to one of my cousins and I was like, I just don't know if I can stay here. Like, in Young? Yeah. And like, I was a kid, I was 15, and I was saying this to my cousin. I was like, I don't know if I can stay here. I think I've got to go. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I think I've got to go. But why? Why? Why did you feel as like you had to go? To be honest, like I was bullied every day at school, every yeah. single day. And, you know, I, w- I have a strong personality, you know, I have, I have guts and yeah. determination. And I just was not going to let it get me down. So I just said to my parents, like, I'm going to go. I'm getting on the train tomorrow. I, had three, I think I had $300 in my pocket. <laughs> and I got on the train and came to Sydney. And um, Where'd you stay? Like, how, how, I, mean, how, I met a guy how, online. How, how does that work? Like 15-year-old, 16-year-old guy, like most parents would be freaking out. Yeah, they were freaking out hardcore. Um, but like when you have a kid, you're going to be freaking out, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to be saying, what the fuck? You're not going anywhere, dude. Stay here. But go on, tell me, tell me what happened. Um, yeah, I just met some friends online. Yep. Um, and they let me stay at the house. Yep. They helped me get my first job. Um, Which was? An apprentice hairdresser. Yep. I had no qualifications at that point, And I was very academic at school. Like so I was, you're a good student. Yeah, great student, really academic, high marks. Like I was like going to go to uni and be a doctor or a psychologist or something like that, you know? Um, and then I got to Sydney and I was like, shit, what do I do? I have no qualifications. So I don't know, like nothing. And I just did the most stereotypical thing a gay kid could do. Yeah. Get an apprenticeship in a hair as, salon. As, did you know, at that stage, you had, you were, you knew you were gay at 16? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I knew lo- a long time So you just said, that. you just said, oh, I'm gay, so I'll become a hairdresser. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Pretty <wrong> much. You? <laughs> that is hilarious. But, so, hey, but it doesn't matter. It's work. So yeah, it totally you, works. you've turned it around. So, so, so you, you, beca- you became an apprentice. Yeah. So you got an apprenticeship. Yes. And I, I presume they pay like, Basically nothing. To oh, improve. back then it was like two hundred and eighty bucks a week. Right. Yeah. And so, but that was enough to just to get by. Yeah. And and what were you thinking to yourself, Jay? Like, were you thinking to yourself, "Well, oh, this is not for me. I'm, I'm I'm happy to do my apprenticeship. I want to go somewhere from this." Yeah, I just thought. Yeah, at that time, I was thinking this is anything is better than young. Like getting out of there was my priority, and I, it was so much better, and it made me into the person I am today. And especially that job I took, it was a hard job. Where I was had, it? In what part of Sydney? It was in Paddington. 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 Yeah. Um, my employers were, to say the least, psychopaths. Um, and I think that's like- That always works. Yeah. That, that helps you. Oh, yeah. It shapes If you're strong enough. Time. Yeah. It either right? kills you or <laughs> makes you stronger, one of the two. Um, and yeah, I, don't get me wrong. Like I hated my job. I hated it. But it was still better than young. It was still better than going to school every day and getting bullied every day. Um, 
That's interesting. So, so there, you did have something that drove you to change your life and to improve your position, and you've continued to do that ever since because yeah. you've been rewarded for that. So the reward for um, changing what you were experiencing in Young was you felt more relaxed perhaps in Sydney, but even though you were working for crazy people and yeah. and it was probably a tough gig, yeah, but you still got rewarded. Mm-hmm. And then – what you said earlier is that during that apprenticeship that you started to test what everybody else is doing mm. and, again, you got rewarded mm. because you're trying to improve your position. Yeah. So sort of seems like that's that, that, that was a really important formative decision, formative decision for you to leave young because you kept getting rewarded by mm-hmm. those decisions and as a yeah. result, you're just building on that reward system that you've got yeah. in your own brain now. The more I improve, the bigger the rewards. Yeah. You're just making bigger improvements. But also the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Yeah, completely. But, but also it seems like it's measured risk. <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. Always measured. Yeah. so Never just blindsided. Correct. So when you came to Sydney, you made sure you had somewhere to stay. So you, mm. you found someone online mm-hmm. who gave you accommodation. Yeah. Right? So do you put that down to just basic intelligence or sensibility, being yeah. sensible? You know, I think- Are I, you sensible? I am- uh, not the most sensible, um, but I have common sense. I think common sense is something that sometimes can't be taught. Um, and I've come across a lot of people who have worked for me who don't have common sense. But you're talking about logic? Logic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Logic. So one, the ability to, to make a deduction. So one plus one plus one plus one leads me to here. Mm-hmm. So the ability to make a deduction. Yes. A, a logical deduction. Not necessarily being sensible because you, what you're saying, and for those people listening, but I, let's make this clear. What you would probably say is sometimes you're a bit reckless. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But and by there's nothing wrong with being reckless unless it's stupid recklessness. I mean, you know, obviously leaving young and coming to Sydney is a bit reckless. Mm. You can be reckless like that though if if you then apply logic around it. So if you're in business, there's nothing wrong with taking a risk and by and be reckless as long as there's some logic built around it. Yeah. Sort of would that be a good way to describe oh, what yeah. you did and what you currently do? Yeah, I guess it is. Like to be honest, I've never really put much thought into why I do things the way I do. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to pick you yeah. because as people listening to this, yeah. they're thinking, "Well, how do I become like that? Like, uh, how do I become 28, six salons, 98 uh, stylists working for me, good systems of recovering money out of them? You know, how do I how do I become progressive like that? Because that's everyone's aspirational. And why I wanted yeah. you to come in today? Because people listen to this and they get inspired yeah. and they aspire to be that way. And I, and I, it's. I, You've never thought about it, but no. this is the sort of thing I do. And I think about these things and I wonder why. Yeah. I've, I've, I've often wondered about you since I met you at the in the episode with Jeff and Anna Elizabeth um, <laughs> because, you know, you I wondered how people like you set yourself apart from all these guys who experience hairstylists. Let's get it right. They are good hairstylists from what I can see. But you people like you set yourself aside and just by virtue of your character and your personality. And I always wonder what forms these mm. things. And it's interesting. It's also interesting for someone like you to think about it. Absolutely. It's kind of like everything, every time I make a decision, you know, because every decision doesn't mean you go two steps forward. It could definitely mean you take one step back, yeah, right? totally. So every time I make a decision, I'm like, all right, if I do this, how many steps forward will I go? But also how many steps back will I go or will someone else go? Because with every time you step forward, someone else steps back. Yeah. That's just the way the world works, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially within the business, like every time I take a step forward, that means my staff take one step back. And then every time they take a step forward, it means I take a step back. Um, so I just feel like 
that, I guess that's kind of how I look, how I do look at it in my head. Every time I'm making a decision, I'm talking about steps and how far forward I can go or how far back I'll go. Because without those steps back, there is no step forward either. Well, well, and we're going to go to a break, but what's really interesting about talking to Jay now is that um, um, he's a hairstylist by profession, but he runs a hairstyling business, or probably more importantly, a business of employing hairstylists. But what we're talking about here in what is otherwise a creative business, creative industry, what we're talking about here is sort of nearly like Newton's law of um, third law, uh, and it's a mathematical process is which we're talking about here, which is the process of making logical deductions. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, which is Newton's third law, which is what Jay's talking about. He's saying if he goes forward, someone's got to go back, and if someone goes forward, he's got to go back, which he, by the way, because he accepts that law, and it's a universal law. It's, mm. a, it's a universal law that can be applied to business or life or anything, physics, etc. And it's quite interesting. Um, here's a guy who didn't go to university, not an engineer, <laughs> um, yet he is talking about universal laws, which has stood, stood since, the, I think, Newton was in the 18th century or something. It was actually 17th century. And it stood the test of time. We're going to go to the break, and I'm going to come back and talk to this guy. This guy fascinates me. Welcome back. I'm here with Jay Edwards, and he's from Edwards & Co. They they do people's hair. They're a hairstyling organisation. They have six locations around Australia. But Jay himself, as the owner of the business, probably would be best described as someone in the business of um, recruiting hairstylists, retaining hairstylists, and rolling them out into his own platforms, which is salons around Australia. And one of the ways he recruits hairstylists is as freelancers, and we talked about his system of paying freelancers for the use of the various things. He has to invoice them and he's come up with this great new system or at least a software developer's come up with this great new system to help him out. But equally at the same time, Jay, you actually employ hairstyles too. So they're staff members. Yes. Why do you have the two different types of model? Why do you have the two different types of hairstylists, freelancers and staff? I have two different types. Originally when I first opened, I only had freelancers. Um, but with our growth, it was important. Like, not everyone has the ability to be a freelancer. Um, it takes a little bit more, term- I guess, determination to be a freelancer than an employee in some respect. Because a freelancer's got to find their own customers. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, Whereas an employee might not. They don't have to. Mm. They're they are required to because it's you know a partnership. But yeah, they don't have to. Um, so because of because of the way we were growing, we had to start employing people. Um, but. What I found interesting was, or difficult, was navigating the way between uh, an employee would come on board and see that we have freelancers and they'd be like, well, why can't I be a freelancer? They earn more money than I do. But at the same time, in the same respect, they don't earn more money because uh, an employee has an uncapped earning potential. They have a base salary, but then they also get paid a commission based on the figures they make for the salon. Um, and I'd pay a percentage. I don't pay like, you know, $50 over $1,000, whatever like that. I pay percentage, which is uncapped. So the more they make in the salon, the more they can earn. So the harder um, the work, more they can earn. Exactly. Yep. The same as a freelancer. Same Exact same concept. Except they're always going to get paid a wage. That's right. No matter what. Always. And they get holidays. Five weeks yep. with us. Five weeks cool. holidays. And mm-hmm. if they're sick, they still get paid for the yes. five days or whatever the award carries. Uh-huh. And uh, they have workers' comp protection. Mm-hmm. So a freelancer doesn't have the workers' comp protection, doesn't Correct. get their holidays. They get take holidays, they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is to the employees, you're giving them some certainty mm-hmm. plus upside. Yes, exactly. And how hard was it to explain? How hard is it to explain that to employees? And how hard is it to stop them when they get wobbly, thinking, "Oh, hang on, the freelancer is getting a better deal." What do you do there? 
Yeah, um, you know, I've lost a fair few people who want to be freelance and I haven't allowed them to be freelance in my salon. Um, but I just think if they're going to not see the opportunities you're going to present them with, then that's their loss. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't get caught up when people leaving, going and coming, like whatever, who cares? That's just the way the world works. Um, but for the employees in particular, like we work with a lot of other hair brands and those hair brands provide opportunities that the freelancers don't what, get. What's that mean, hair brand? I don't know. Like Eleven, who you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin Murphy, yep. um, Orbe, all those different brands provide like educational opportunities right. or like employ my stylist to go educate for them. Um, freelancers don't get those opportunities because they're not an employee of Edwards & Co. Right. Um, and like especially at travel opportunities, like I just did a trip to the US and took like three of my team with me. I wouldn't offer those to a freelancer. Right. I would only offer that to an employee. So a freelancer is, is a true independent contractor to you. Yes. Whereas an employee is obviously an employee and get all the benefits of being employed. Yeah. All the let's not call it fringe benefits, but the benefits that an employee would ordinarily offer to mm-hmm. an employee. That, that's quite clever. So I'll, I'll actually describe your business as slightly different then. Um, your business is the business of creating distribution of hairstyles in the in the two models you're using as mm-hmm. employees and, and freelancers. Mm-hmm. So really all you're, not all you're doing, but really what you are doing very well is distributing hairstyles around the nation. Mm. And you're building platforms, that's opening up stores. Yeah. Um, because you obviously can't do a hairstyle online. Um, <laughs> you're opening up stores, a physical store, so you're picking up that cost and you're then distributing that cost to the freelancers mm-hmm. and recovering some of the costs through your employees. Yeah. And what you are also doing is you are making sure that these employees, that there is a differential between being an employee, which suits some people's character, and there is a differential between, between from being a freelancer, which suits other people's character. So in other words, instead of you prescribing how – people should operate you know how they like to operate yeah. and you deliver it yes now that was the problem that we had with jeff jeff wanted to prescribe the way people should work for yeah. him and the big lesson from this for me and and this happens in my business too and and most just about every business i guess mm. is that the proprietor the the person like you the person mm. the 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 person is rolling out the offering can't prescribe how the distribution will distribute it. You've got to find out how the distribution wants to distribute it. Yes. And then build a platform that helps them do that. Yeah. Which is what you've done. Yes. So you've, how long did it take you to sort of work that phenomenon out? Because a lot of mm. people who build products or build services, they're great at it. Yeah. But they don't know how to distribute it. Yeah. It took like, I would say it took a good probably 18 months or two years to really figure it out and to really understand why someone would want to be an employee over a freelancer. Because honestly, like I do make more money off an employee. Um, so you have to give them, it's just about what benefits they reap, they reap, right? So my first thing was the five weeks paid on your leave. Like I don't know many hair salons that are able to do that. Mm. Um, and a freelancer would love five weeks paid on your leave, but they don't get it. Um, so that was a big drawing card. And then just the um, way I pay commission, a lot of salons don't do percentage-based commission. They do like a bonus structure. Um, and I think that was a big um, a big positive for employees as well because it is uncapped. Um, and then once I figured out like how to make the two similar, because I also don't call them freelancers or employees in the salon. I call them team members because I don't like to differentiate between the two at work. Um, so once I figured out a way to make them as similar as I could so that, you know, one is obviously has a more flexible um, work-life balance and it can earn more money, but the other one has a lot more benefits. 
So sometimes it's, I feel like it's um, compensation over, or like benefits over compensation, I mean. Yeah, people value yeah. different things yes. in their life. Yeah. And, it, and the weighting that someone decides to add to lifestyle yes. or, or time as opposed to the waiting that someone who decides they want certainty. Yes. That just, that varies. Mm -hmm. and it's Be funny, so you know, much. I had this conversation with Kerry Packer in, um, when, I, when we owned the wizard business in um, 2002, I think it was. Um, my opposition, John Simons, had decided to um, become a mortgage broker for banks as opposed to selling his own product. Whereas we were selling our own product. In other words, any money we lent to somebody was our own money, mm. which we borrowed at from the US and at various other places. And I said to Kerry, oh, well, John's gone, gone and done that. I, I wonder whether you know whether we should choose that path. And Kerry's words to me said, listen, son, don't try and choose a winner mm. in, how you, in what you're distributing or how you distribute. Have a bet in both camps and let the, 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 let the camps decide who the winner yeah. is. And it might be... Both are winners, one's 60, one's 40, or one's mm. 55, one's 45. It doesn't really matter to you as long as you're in both. Yeah. They'll determine who will win, but you just need to be in both. Yeah. And that's what, sort of what you've done here. Yeah. And what you said something said something that was really interesting, which I just wanted to chase down or tease out a little bit. You said you don't differentiate them by name. Um, you call them team members. Mm. And I guess that brings me to this whole concept of culture. Yes, um, culture how you build a culture in your organisation, whilst in your mind you've articulated the difference between the two and but also the similarities, what you are, what you have landed on in your business and in your in your narrative to your business is the similarities, yeah. the difference. And I think that's a really important thing for everybody to, who's listening to understand. It's you. What you do is you build up similarities. You promote similarities. You don't promote differences. Correct. Because differences are divisive. Mm-hmm. And then you get someone saying, well, that's not fair. And as soon as you get someone saying that's not fair, um, that easily sort of builds momentum. And then someone else says, well, it is fair. Like wildfire. Totally. <laughs> and uh, so this culture thing, how do you go about it? How, how do you how do you keep your team together? Because I remember one of the things that didn't come out in the TV show was edited out. I remember you saying to me when I was at your salon, which really annoys me to edit stuff out, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's why we do these. Um, you said to me, I treat them like my family. Yes. Um, you know, the thing is, without the culture and without that family feeling, there is no Edwards & Co. Um, I think One thing I believe I'm good at is creating a team and a team that works well together and a team that feels like family to each other. Um, and the th it's like you said before, when you start creating things that are divisive, that like spreads so quickly. Um, and I learned that really early on by having freelancers and employees. When I was differentiating between freelance and employee, you'd get this little group of people over here and this little group of people yep. over there and they'd just like nibble at each other. Um, and then the moment I was like, no, the team members, everyone's a team member, we're all the same. Um, it started creating this like, this feeling of cool, we're all, we're all batting for the same thing here. We mm. all have the same goal. Um, I feel like part of the culture thing is recognizing that we all have the same goal, right? Um, and one thing I that worked really well for me was we we do social events every month. Every salon has a budget for it. Um, originally, I would actually make the freelancers pay for their own way because they're earning more money, you know, and the salon's earning less. And then I soon realized that that's not the way to go about it. Um, They'd resent that. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, that's not the way to go about it at all. So I started having bigger social events and combining the salon social events. And I would just cover that cost. But then I soon realized the more I did that, the more money I was making because I was happier at work. 
And so what, give me what sort of social events because people listening yeah. say, well, what's a social event mean each month? Cool. So it depends. It really de- It's totally up to the salon. For instance, last two weeks ago, we went to the trampoline park in Alexandria um, and that was fun. We played dodgeball. That was great. Um, and then I think the last one before that. Great movie. Was that? Great movie. Dodgeball. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> the last one before that was a big picnic in the park. Um, the simple stuff, but simple good stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes it can cost a, a good amount of money. But honestly, the impact it has on the team morale is huge. Our biggest social event of the year is um, Christmas, our Christmas party. We have, I bring everyone to Sydney. Everyone flies in. I pay for everything. And we have a huge party. So last year we did a boat party and it was epic. There was, I think, 110 people. Um, on this boat, and it was so good. But people still talk about that today, and I'm sure with the next Christmas party, they're going to keep talking about that for the year after. And, and did um, you invite partners into the in, into the? No, no, you not just even keep my own staff. Partner. Okay, you keep staff. <laughs> yes, just staff. Just because there's so many of us, and yeah, I yeah. think it's so important for the other salons to meet their colleagues. Yeah, because we do have a Facebook group where they can all communicate to each other. Yep. Um, but I think it's really important for them to meet each other and just to get to know each other because we do cross pollinate. If someone wants to move. I'll let them move to Melbourne or Sydney or Gold Coast or wherever they want to go. Can I ask you, do you use Workplace by, face, workplace by Facebook or do you just build your own Facebook? No, we just have a Facebook group. Okay, because you know, they have a they have an app called Workplace by oh, Facebook. really? But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just mentioned that because I know a lot of people use it. But hmm. no, but, but it's, it's actually quite a good thing because people feed into that, um, you know, articles I read and, mm. you know, and then other people can read the article and you can sort of go back to the person in Brisbane, you know, uh, and say, oh, look, that was really interesting. And like, it, it builds conversations. Yeah. I mean, that's what Facebook is on to do, but, not, not, but it doesn't really matter. Facebook's what you've done anywhere will be, have the same effect. But <laughs> there is a specialized bit of software at, yeah. by Facebook or Workplace. Um, but, uh, well, with, uh, but what you're doing is you're working really hard at blending everybody. Mm-hmm. And why did you decide to hold? Is, I mean, for the people listening again, is it important to hold in your industry or in your business one a month? What made you decide once a month or once every three months or how, how why? I just think once a month is a good amount of like, so that like 12 months in every year, obviously so that's 12 social events they get to go to. Um, I, in my opinion, I don't know many salons who do do that. And I think it's just important for team morale to spend time with their teammates. Like I don't spend anyone, I don't spend time with anyone that doesn't work for me, you know, and that works, that works for me. That's like, that's my work life. And balance. you go to all of these? Yeah. Or yeah. If I'm in town. If you're in town. Yeah. So what's interesting here is you're saying, <laughs> Build on the similarities, promote the similarities within my business, but uh, my business versus all the other businesses out there, I show, I, sh- I let everyone know about the different differentiation. Yeah. So I differentiate <laughs> myself from everybody else. Yes. And I promote and build on the similarities within, within myself. The business. Correct. Yeah. So you, you're, you're saying to everyone, we're a gang, we're a team. Mm-hmm. This is us. Um, it's sort of us. If you want to go and join them, or you, they don't do these things, we do these mm-hmm. things. Um, they don't have a big Christmas party like we do and we're famous for our Christmas party. Because yeah. <laughs> the more famous you can become for your Christmas party, I've known from businesses that I've been involved in over the years, it's a huge thing. Oh, yeah. It, it sounds ridiculous. But it is, it's a thing. If you're equal on pay. We get so many hairdressers messaging us I, I on that day. To, I want to go to that Christmas party because <laughs> everyone talks about it. I and mean, it sounds really shallow, but it's the truth. Yeah. Christmas parties, epic Christmas yeah. parties are a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly amongst younger people. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, their social life is to some extent attached to their work life mm-hmm. or they'd like to attach well, it to their work it life. It definitely is. I mean, like, you know, if you think about it, like let's say you're under 30 or over or under 40 for argument's sake and say you're single. Well, let's say even if you're not single, you just – but you're saying, well, Friday night 
I'd love to have a drink with somebody other than because I don't want to just go home to my partner or whatever mm. the case would be. I wouldn't mind going and have a drink with somebody. Mm. But I don't have time to build relationships with my friends because I'm too busy. Mm. But all of a sudden my work is holding events straight after work. Exactly. So that's not a bad social environment to attach. It's sort of safe. Mm. It's easy. It's uh, You can leave any time. Yeah. Your friends are going to say, well, what the fuck are you leaving for? You can go any time you want. Yes. If you go with your mates, they say, well, why are you leaving? Yeah, they're trying to keep you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I haven't seen you for a month or two months or three months. Yeah, where are we going, man? Why aren't you drinking much? You know, that sort of stuff. Whereas if you're in this environment, it makes sense. Yeah. It's quite sensible. Anyway, every Saturday um, in Sydney particularly, we always go for a drink after work. This is like our ritual, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just you really- finish late, I guess. Yeah, like four o'clock. Yeah, late well, that's enough. late. Well, yeah. That's a that's that's late on a Saturday for yeah. anyone. Most people don't work Saturdays. True. Yeah, uh, it just kind of and like they end up. We spend the whole night together. Is this the Rosebury one? This Rosebury. is Alexandria and Surrey Hills. So right. often we'll meet like part, both teams will meet uh, at the horse in Surrey Hills. That's our like that's our stomping grounds. Um, and it's never just one drink. It ends up being dinner and staying out all night. You know, then on Sunday as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Cool. Right, now, I don't know. I Jay. Always give everyone an opportunity to ask you one question. So yeah. why don't you articulate your question to me? Okay, great. So in Australia, the hair industry isn't regulated. Um, there is a requirement that every stylist has to have a Cert 3 issued by TAFE or another school, but no one checks that and no one is required to absolutely ha- to have it. And no one polices it. No one polices it. That's there's right. no penalty. No penalty at all. So if you don't have that Cert 3 and you're doing hair, you can't get in trouble. The thing that that creates in the industry is these chop shops or um, no disrespect, but home salons where people are doing less than average work. And I think that that has to change. Um, And I would like the industry to be regulated. So everyone is issued with a license so that they can practice their skill. Mm. Um, I just think not having the license, it's going to help, it's going to help bring our industry up because in my perspective, a lot of people think hair as a less than career. Mm. Um, you speak to, I speak to a lot of people about their kids becoming an apprentice hairdresser and they're like, oh, no, 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 that's, you can, they can't do that. That's not, that's not, it's not held in high regard. You know, and I think by... Um, are there other models in other countries or other places yes. which are a much better model than us where people are held in higher regard? Yeah, I think in the, in the US especially, in um, New York State and California, they are held in much higher regard. Hairdressers and hairstylists, hair colorists have the ability to make a lot of money over there and they're held in so much, so much higher regard. And I guess it's because of like the celebrity aspect over there as well because it's like, oh, they're doing celebrities. We don't really have that here. Yeah, correct. But I do feel as though if it were regulated, we would the industry would be held in a higher regard because it would be it's almost like a degree kind of type thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I want to do with that is eventually be one of those schools that are issuing the licenses. The license. Yeah. So so to do that, you would have to get so, – so I guess your question is how do you go about it, is it? Is yes. that your question? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I many years ago when I had the wizard business, um, there was this concept that you could advertise an interest rate at any rate. So you could advertise an interest rate that was um, 1%. Mm. But what you do is you say, my interest rate is 1%, but you have all these fees hidden underneath it, and the interest rate was actually 5%, mm. and it was unregulated. There was no rule or no law around it. And in fact, the banks were doing everyone was doing They had these things called honeymoon rates. They give you a 3% rate for the first 12 months, and it would go to 8% in the second and third and forever for the next 30 years. Mm. So they were traps, they were fly traps. And uh, so my industry um, – 
I was in business with James Pack in those days, and we decided, along your lines, to get some regulation around this. When we introduced the thing called the comparison rate, which is what is its legislation today, it took me five years, um, but we ran media campaigns around it. So we used the media to expose it. Yeah, right. Now, I had the advantage of having James Packer or Channel 9 as my partner, but, you know, to be frank with you, the best media in in this regard was the written media, where the pa- newspapers was the best and radio was the best, not TV. And it took – so. but what I had to do, Jay, is I had to actually lobby politicians. Mm. It was state-based legislation. So I had to get the legislation changed in the state. Now, problem in my business, I was in every state, a bit similar to yours. So I had to get all the states to agree. And I worked on um, a premier in Queensland – and it was a female premier. I don't remember her name, to be honest. It might have been Anna Bly, actually, um, when she was a premier. But um, I kept working on her and kept working on her, and I went and saw her, and I went and kept – I saw politicians in the, the other states, but largely it was in Queensland. I knew once Queensland went, all the other states, they have what they call uniform codes here. So if you can get one state to agree something, generally speaking, when it comes to regulation, other states will follow. Yeah, right. But you've got to get a – you've got to get someone who's your evangelist a political evangelist. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you've got to explain to them the thing that they are protecting as opposed to trying to lift the status of hairdressers. What is the thing you're trying to protect against? So what I was trying to protect against is people just getting ripped off. Yeah. As opposed to you saying, I want to elevate the status of hairstylists, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with the outcome Mm. and they're happy with the outcome. What you've got to do is say, I've got to stop people getting ripped off and people um, walking away with bad things happening to them. Yeah. For example, I mean, I'm just making this up now. Mm-hmm. Someone goes and gets their hair coloured and all their hair falls out. Yeah. Because the person that done it's a cowboy. Yeah. Um, you know, like if the more examples of this you, you build, mm. the greater the likelihood of your movement being, being effective. Yeah, right. And you then need to get to a politician, a st- and state politicians, to be frank with you, are easier to talk to than federal politicians because the federal politicians think about the really big issues. Mm. State guys are thinking about their electorate; they think about the electorate much more. Mm. Um, and that they need that a lot of them would like the idea of having a a cause to run with because it differentiates them from mm-hmm. everybody else. They're doing something that's a bit unusual. If you can build up the case and feed them with examples of things where Something's gone really wrong. And, you know, and the more um, difficult you make, the more, the worse the The worse the case, the better the 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 outcome for you or the more cut through you're going to get, I guess, is probably a better way of putting it. And and what I think is uh, quite smart about this is that equally there's a business outcome for you. So, A, you increase the, ultimately, you, you stop people from getting ripped off. That's great. You build awareness about what is an appropriate level of, um, accreditation that someone should have in order mm-hmm. to undertake looking after somebody. Because you know, to some extent, there are health aspects associated with Absolutely. getting hairstyled, security safety aspects of getting hairstyled, particularly if you walk into some place with no reputation, maybe at the back, backyard someone's place. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things associated with it. Now, I'm not going to try and sit here and invent those things, but you're, I know you're smart enough. You'll work this stuff out. But the great thing about this is actually good is that you can become one of the accredited organisations. Yeah. Which really what you're talking about here is making, um, creating your, or creating the opportunity of building your business into becoming an educator. Yeah. And you want to get accreditation for this. Yes. An accredited educator, so which means you become the academy. 
Correct. Yeah, well, the the University of Hairstylists. Yeah. And and you probably wouldn't want to call that because call it that because university, to be frank with you, are boring. Edwards and uh, Co Academy. Academy. Academy is a better <laughs> way of putting it. Academy is a better way yeah. of putting it. And borrow from overseas whatever you can because politicians love to be able to say, here's a model that works somewhere else. Okay. In the UK, and particularly if it's Canadian, UK, or American. Yeah. Don't go picking some from Italy or some obscure place. Say if it's UK, Canada, or US, that that that's always has big impact. Yeah, right. Okay. Because politicians don't want to see Jade was walking in there saying, oh, we know you've got you an interest in this. We know what your agenda is. Yes. You, what you want to be pointing to is, no, 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 this is a model that's working well in America. So what I did in my case with the interest rate thing, there was a concept in America called the um, annualized average percentage rate. And it sounds a bit boring, but it's called the AR. What they basically did over there in America many, many years ago is they, they stopped this advertising in this 1% interest rate when the actual interest rate was 7% by taking all the costs and loading them into the rate and saying, how is that annualized? What's the average rate over yeah, right. the whole 25 years uh -huh. or 30 years? And the, American, the Americans advertise this stuff heavily. So when you go to America and if you're looking at out about buying a Toyota and they're advertising the interest rate or a house and they advertise the interest rate, they don't say what the interest rate is. They say what the AAR is. Yeah, I always so, wonder what that was on the – That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's the annualized average interest rate. In yeah, other right. words, it's the rate that you'll pay with everything loaded in. Okay. Now, in Australia, we have a thing called comparison rate, which is the thing that we brought in, that we lobbied for and we brought in. Um, and But I, what I had to do with the government is actually say, here is a model that the Americans have been using. And Americans, no one's getting ripped off on interest rates in America. Yeah. We are getting ripped off here in Australia. Well, people just don't understand. Yeah. So we need to have something where, where the playing field is leveled a bit mm -hmm. and they have a better understanding of it. And that's how I got it through. Mm. I use an, a, another model in a highly regarded country that stopped people from getting ripped off and it was a pretty simple thing to legislate for. That's probably the best bit of advice I can give you. Yeah. Um, have you any questions about that? No, it, it totally makes sense. I guess it's the, you know, from uh, the other, from a hairdresser's perspective as well, because doing this will definitely make me a few enemies within the industry. Could That's probably like well, you. Can you imagine the banks? Oh, the banks absolutely. hated me. Yeah. But you know what? I played on that. Yeah. The, that's better. Yeah. The more I'm hated. Yes, for sure. I, I can go and say, well, there's a reason they hate me. Yeah. Because they're, they're trying to hide something. Yeah. This is better. This is much better for you. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to take, play that to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Total advantage. I'm more say to you this. I did employ a public, a small public relations guy to help me out on this. Yeah. Someone who was politically attuned and someone who was, quite strategic in the way he went about things. And I'm happy mm. to share that guy's details with you. If you, if you don't know anyone in that mm. regard, I would be very happy to ha um, um, pass that information on mm -hmm. to you. Awesome. Any more questions? No, that's it. Mate, you've been you've fantastic. Thank you. You've been really good. I appreciate I, it. I, I, I wish you all the best of luck. Thank I'm you. seriously impressed with your, you know, your intellect and Thanks. what you've done and what you've executed on and keep going. I and will. I'm going to follow you. Thank you. See you, mate. <laughs>